0: Hello, it's Jack Tutor here of Attention Magazine. Welcome to Crucial Listening, the podcast where I speak with musicians and sound artists about three albums that are important to them. I'm recording this intro outside for a change. The nights are pretty habitable at the moment. My guest this time is Stefano Pelia, a musician, a guitarist an electro-acoustic composer based in Bologna, Italy. I first came into Stefano's music when I discovered the Holy Sailor from his record, Healing Memories and Other Scattering Times. I think I heard a clip on Aquarius records, I don't know if anyone else used to discover music that way, but I came into tons. artists by just playing those low bit rate mp3 clips in like 2005. Stefano was one that I was really compelled by on the basis of that clip. He's someone who when he plays guitar you get so compelled by those moments of pause, the minute details of execution of the intensity of the plectrum pluck and just the tone that rings out as well. It's beautiful. The other aspect, as I say, of Stefano's music is his position as an electroacoustic composer as well, so you've got this lovely meld of someone who is adept at performing and emoting in real time through their instrument, but also at dispersing sound with a kind of neutrality as to its source just as pure sculptural material his new record Spiralis Aria is out now on Dishactyl and it's a stunning array of pieces all of which have a geometric and symbolic basis which we talk about but I think you can really hear that as you're listening to these different instruments intersect at different angles Kind of renegotiate around each other there's a sense that each layer is aware of the others but simultaneously on its own independent jag and they all seem to be clicking into different notes like they're all adherent to a mutual clock I've been blown away by the whole thing so do check that out like I say it's out now on Deshaq Enjoy this conversation with Stefano, I really did. Such a treat to speak with him after enjoying his music for so long. And do donate to Attention Magazine on Coffee ko-fi.com forward slash Crucial Listening. If you want to contribute or are able to contribute to a small amount of outgoings involved in keeping the podcast running. Okay, that's all. Enjoy this one, this is Stefano Pillia on Crucial Listening. Hello Stefano, welcome to Crucial Listening.
1: Hi Jack, thank you very much for inviting me.
0: Thank you for coming on. So I want to start before we get into your three important records with your own new album, Spiralis Area, which came out on Deshachtel just recently. So I understand that a key event related to this record was a visit that you made to a cemetery. I wondered yeah. if we could start there, and you could tell me about that experience and how it led into the the conception of this
1: record. It's a cemetery where are that has been built in the '60s, and uh, and is a cemetery of war. Um, actually, there are buried there um, German soldier for the Second World War. Mm. Um, the the cemetery is on is on the border between on the hills on the border between Tuscany and Emilia Romagna where I live. I'm I'm from Bologna, um, and I've been visiting the cemetery quite a few times. is a incredible piece of architecture, and uh, which includes not only the architecture th- mm, uh, work but is also a work on the landscape um is a work about symbols of life and death and so in a way is a is a place where, where that is crossed from m- very significant point you know like there is a aesthetic point ethic point and also a spiritual point mm. because it's um as a place that where the consideration of life and death is always present and uh, the the name of the architect is Dieter Hosterlund um, a German architect what is very significant about this place is the the form of the of the cemetery it it's like a spiral that from the uh, one of the border uh, go progressively towards the center Mm. Where there is a little Acropolis in a way, and according to the place you are walking in the cemetery, uh, the the shape of the of this Acropolis looks different. You know, it changes the symbols of what you are seeing. You know, is right. is a tree in, a, in the first moment, is also a piece of a lightning in a way. It is also at a certain point it appears also like a head snake Wow Um, it's very um, it's incredibly beautiful to see and uh, All the soldiers are buried there uh, With no is there is nothing celebratory about this place, you know, Mm. it's just you know a memory of of people that died in the war Uh, tragically a lot of them are very young soldier that you know they probably didn't choose (laughs) to do that work yeah for sure and so it's just a moment of compassion and memories for you know all the human beings in fact and in that period I was like working on this composition I was doing for for spiralis aurea and actually the visit the german at the german cemetery become somehow a sort of epiphany because give me a better understanding of what i was doing somehow you know Mm. that it works in between ethic and aesthetics are crossing each other the idea of working on the on the spirale, on the spiralis aurea, as, um, is not only a mathematical interest, it's also the idea of building forms, musical forms, that somehow can reflect a sense of, of an archetypical sense that is part of you know nature, of many things that happens in nature, mm-hmm. like the form of galaxy, crystals, the form of shells and somehow something that underpin also our perception in everyday life or in our life in general mm. uh, that's was the suggestion somehow like and this place was symbolically representing all these aspects together you know it's a, it's a piece of art yes but this is a is also a place where you meditate on life and that In many ways
0: Another thing that I noted About the creation of this This work that's mentioned is That each piece Began with a figure Or process that is both geometric And symbolic which actually I read that after my initial listens To this album It was quite satisfying to read that because I I think Personally I get the impression While listening that there's definitely a Input Like a shapely input to the means by which they're composed. There's something about the way the instruments move that suggested that to me anyway. I mean, how did you go out about sourcing or deciding upon the figures that you wanted to use and transposing that into something you could use within composition?
1: Well, uh, it depends from piece to piece, of course, but uh, um, every piece, somehow started with, uh, with an images, with an images which, which was at the same time both geometrical, but also a symbol. Like, like for example, the, the first piece Crooks, which means cross in, in Latin, is the, is the Latin word for, for cross. Uh, that is all built around a figure of a cross that is getting progressively larger and larger and the the time and the proportion during which this cross appear and disappear is all uh, built around the system of proportion that is based on the Fibonacci series, the HAURA report. The idea was Mm, you know and attempt to Meditate on some the possibility to meditate on a symbol um, Not on a rational level but on a, a, a Level of perception that can be deeper than that, you mm-hmm. know like if I can find if I'm able to build a system that is somehow isomorphic to the movement of the spiral and can trace a figure is that can be that a form of meditation on on the symbol Mm. and being a meditation on the symbol can this like um, trigger some knowledge or conscious aspect about how we relate to that symbol you know symbol is always something that you can of course talk about the symbol like in a logical rational verbal way but there are also aspects that are behind the symbol and that are somehow a balance of opposition that you cannot really discuss in a rational way so you need to access to uh, this contradictory opposition things that is inside the symbol through other ways and i'm wondering if uh, a musical form can can be a way to do that
0: is there anything specific do you think about the medium of music as a way to try and have those sorts of insights into these symbols and new perspectives is there anything specific about music and sound that i don't know allows different sorts of insights compared to other mediums
1: yeah yeah i think i i got your answer i think that um there is um because music sounds is uh an experience that we do that is is before the language somehow Mm -hmm. uh, that somehow involved more um deeply uh an emotional response to to the sound we are hearing I mean, it's um, it's less filtered in a way. Mm-hmm. It's still filtered, of course, but it's more direct. And uh, I think that elements can somehow touch part uh, easily part of our unconscious response. So, mm-hmm. as a listener, there is a faster and deeper. Uh, emotional response I think when we are you know actively listening to sounds or music
0: one other question I wanted to ask is about how you recorded it I understand there were multiple locations involved in the recording so what were some of the key memories that you have of actually putting this record together because I imagine it was quite a lot of fun to draw in a lot of different people and a lot of different places.
1: Yeah, yeah absolutely. Well, um, in the beginning when I was writing each separately each of this composition I didn't have yet a specific set of instrumentation in mind so not even you know a specific place or musician to work with about what I was doing but there were pieces in which uh, somehow I had like for example the strings sounds in my mind and I was collaborating with this close friend of mine an incredible cello player his name is Mattia Cipolli he's a cello player that lives here in Bologna is part of the Communale Orchestra and is part of Ensemble Concordanze so in the beginning a lot of the first evolution of this music and the first realization of of What I was writing was in collaboration with Mm. them So we were recording here in my studio with a few microphones for example and uh, layering the four voices adjusting eventually something in the composition if something was not wrong but then other pieces i wanted i i had i was feeling um, i was feeling that other instrument could have been appropriate Mm -hmm. like the organ so i decided to go to ask to a church for the possibility to use an organ and record some of that so in a way the um, was the constant in between this composition that that they not you know they not ask for a specific set of of instrumentation but i try to choose like different instruments according also to what were the images of the instrument about in a ancestrally way what they could represent and they what Mm. could trigger in you know hmm of course the organ has this element of air you immediately also see like the the context of a church um, but for other I wanted to go like like I think for example the pieces that are for electric guitar I wanted to you know to 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 get another level of separation for what was the images that acoustically that you hear when you hear to those sounds Hmm. other pieces require something specific like crooks uh, the first pieces uh, which is based on the, the idea of the of the of the continuum of the glissandi could have only be done through a set of instrumentation that could have the capability of gliss in that way yes so strings can do that but it could also have been done like on Sun like sine waves oscillator, for example. Yeah, that would, could have been another possibilities and maybe one day I huh, will try a version <laughs> with that too
0: <laughs> Awesome,
1: it's it's I mean it's a it's been really like uh, an adventure, you know to go through all this composition with with different people different places to record um very 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 interesting and also a, a great way for me to to learn something
0: sure well Stefano it's such a beautiful record I'm having the best time with it so I really thank do you implore, I'm
1: really glad <laughs>
0: I really implore people to check it out for yourselves like I say it's available via Deshaptor and let's go to your important records now then stefano so one question i like to ask is how you thought about the term important when picking your list of three records so was there a way that you understood important in order to come up with the list that you did
1: well in the first um when i when i try to answer to your request of picking up three records i deliberately try have you know Think of the first three things that were coming to my mind, mm. and and then I saw that all of each of these three records represent, you know, a very important part in my life somehow, mm. and all of three as being some sort of epiphany, and stayed through all these years as uh, a point of reference. So I think that to answer to your question, as I think these three records are important, first of all, because they've been very important to me.
0: Cool, well, let's go with whichever one feels natural to go with first then. Which one do you wanna talk about?
1: I would start with um, Franco Battiato, La Voce del Padrone.
0: Lovely. So. Yeah, maybe you could start by giving me a intro as to why this album is important to you.
1: Well, um, I saw that this the this record has been something like uh, that somehow underlines something important in my in my life, and this is the first record I have memory with. I really felt in love with, mm-hmm. and I was really a kid i was 6 years old and and there was not much music going ho- going on in my in my house because my my parents were not that much into music and a lot of the music that was on tv on radio at that time i'm from 78 so in the 80s there a, a lot of music was not really pop music i'm saying so radio and TV was not really interesting to mm. my ears. Um, it's still not today, believe it or not. <laughs> I don't know if it's like a memory problem, you know, like I, I connect that to something, I experienced that I really don't didn't like it at that time. Or <laughs> but but yeah, and this is the first record I really got obsessed with and 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 stay with me all along my life somehow and i remember that my parents got me a cassette because i was totally obsessed with and i literally destroyed the tape because i listened to it so many many times <laughs> that uh, at the end well, like the magnetic tape was like totally destroyed wow
0: <laughs> <Limey>. <laughs> so so why did your parents pick this tape to get you then was there a reason for that
1: because there was there was the, um, one of the song which is was called uh, Bandiera Bianca uh, a, a track that is on the record was got really huge in Italy
0: mm-hmm. really
1: really huge and all the radio were passing it you know mm-hmm. uh, and I was so in love that they, they got me a tape.
0: you mentioned that the music predominantly on TV and radio at that time wasn't really of interest to you. Um, this may be hard to recall given that you were six years old but what do you think it was about Batiato and this record in particular that appealed to you at age six that gave you something that you weren't getting from music you'd heard up until that point
1: well it's really mysterious this I I don't you know I can't really understand why mm-hmm. uh, because of course at that time I couldn't really understand what he was singing about at all I mean in terms of the lyrics for example Mm. which are really deep which are really deep and are a huge uh, you know critics about the politics about society about the time we were living in so was not certainly for that because I couldn't really understand that I was too young for Mm. that but the music they are The the things about that the um, the songs are so catchy and And it's it's a wonderful a perfect pop record Mm. Uh, There are beautiful melodies incredible harmonies Um, His voice is is amazing. Yeah Um, He has been really really a great singer Um, Not only a great songwriter so I think what was triggering something in me was something very spontaneous, which was about uh, the the melodies and um, um, also the movement that these songs were offering.
0: And you mentioned that these records will give you an epiphany of some sort. Do you have any sense of what that might have been with this record?
1: I think that It started, it started in me the desire of singing, for example. Hmm. Well, I'm not a singer, but I was so much obsessed with these songs that I was spending my time singing them. (laughs) So (laughs) uh, it was just uh, enthusiastic, uh, uh, spontaneous enthusiasm, you know
0: yeah yeah
1: um like a possession from a god so (laughs) being possessed from from a god the god of music so in in this sense i think this was a, a big epiphany is it
0: a record that you still listen to now
1: well yeah yeah like like for example when like if i'm driving the car you know doing doing a journey it must it must be that (laughs) is <laughs> is we, we you know i put it on on my system but it's also a a record that you know i know so well <laughs> yeah that uh, i don't play that so often anymore <laughs> but the basic like there are parts somehow so, like for example somehow uh there are moments in which are I listen back to some song of it and say, "Ah, oh, listen to this bass line. How beautiful it is!" And I try to take it down, you know, to track it down huh? and, and play down my instrument. So, <laughs> so it's cool. yeah, yeah, different. It's 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 still interesting for me. All his record, huh? All his record. All his well, the the first part of Battiato was more experimental things like this records, Fetus Pollution, mm. and then in the beginning of the eighties, he moved more into a pop song, with um, Patriots, L'Era del Cinghiale Bianco, and this one, La Voce del Padrone, they are, all of three are, you know, connected together and incredible records, but with La Voce del Padrone is the first record that really became so huge and popular in Italy. Uh, and all the radio were passing his music.
0: Yeah, because it's interesting you mentioned this. Past in more experimental sounds. I checked out a bit, Pollution, for example. But this record, you know, this breakthrough record on the radio still feels like that this album is pretty odd, right? I mean, I I don't know. Maybe it's more typical of pop music in Italy, but the appearance of, like, the madrigal... Like choir in in the like background, like doing the backing vocals, those choral vocals. Some of the decisions he makes as a lead vocalist as well. There's like a really weird vocal sound he goes for on the first track at one point, which is like this nasally vibrato note that he holds for a while. It's yeah. an odd record. I mean, I I don't know whether that's something that comes through for you. Do you hear it as like like a slightly wonky pop record as well?
1: Yeah, in a way, yeah. I mean, it's um, uh, it's very peculiar and very unique. Mm. Uh so I agree with you. There is something like unusual, yeah. for a pop song here and there. But um, I think I think there like there is this power about the magic of s- some melodies, you know really they, they are really catching so it's, it's really great that he, he has been able to uh, made a piece of work using some strong pop references but in the same time to make them so unique yeah. and peculiar and as you said you're right like as, as a lot of that is in the arrangements and, and, the, and the use of the voice I think which is always very very distinctive as soon as you hear Batiato singing it's like you immediately recognize him Mm -hmm. it's not only the voice it's also the way he uh he used the melodies and if
0: I was to play like a little clip of one of the tracks here do you have a standout a favorite
1: um I really like, well, Bandiera Bianca is probably one of my favorite, but I think also Centro di Gravità Permanente. Yeah, I think those two are in between my favorites. Yeah. Euclidei per entrare a corte degli imperatori dei Ming. Cerco un centro di gravità
0: Stefano, let's go to your second important record now. Which one do you want to go for?
1: Um, Let's go into the uh, Lauren Connors. Lauren Connors one. one, yeah. Cool.
0: So, Sales by Lauren Connors came out in 2006. So, yeah, give me a little introduction as to why this one's important to you.
1: Well, um, Lauren Connors did... Um, and huge amount of recordings and huge amount of releases so i think i choose one that could represent um, a balance of his palette Mm. um as being it, it would be hard to choose you know um a favorite one I have several of him but what I really liked about this record and there is a, a good balance between the more thematic elements that he uses in his music and the more abstract and transfigurated improvisation things mm. you know it's really on the on hedge edge of a music that is very figurative and very thematic but an, um is on that balance where immediately this figure or themas like got um liquefied mm-hmm. into a more abstract sense of sound and you what you are hearing and just tiny, subtle movements is more the sound characteristic of his guitar rather than the melody itself. Mm. So it's always in the, uh, you know, like incredible balance of images you see that is on focus and then became out of focus and you see more the background (laughs) and as soon as you are see, you, you know, seeing the background, then images come through you uh, and you see a subject. And this is one of the elements, I think is really incredible in his music and his way of playing. And it's not only on the record. I had a, I've been lucky enough to see him performing live in New York, I think it was around 10 years ago. It's the the experience was again was 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 magical and great the way his use of dynamics He plays so so soft. Yeah Uh, but is capable of Creating a sense of an immense crescendo even being so soft It's really astonishing. I think it's like one of the I, I like music in general that has this characteristic, you know. Uh, you know but it, I think he's really a master in in that. And uh, why, how did I, you know, uh, got in touch with his music? Also, this is very uh, for me as being very interesting because when I was starting in the beginning of my twenties, doing my own music with the guitar. Some people told me, you know, you have what you are doing. Uh, it's kind of similar to what Lauren Connors is doing, oh, really? and I did. I did. I. I didn't know him, oh, wow. and so I. Immediate, uh, I immediately went to check him, and I was really touched. and And uh, it's some when you you know when you when you see. And uh, some other works, or in a piece of art that you you like, you you recognize yourself, you mirror yourself, mm. you resonate with that, because that that things make you seeing that that kind of attitude and th- that way of operates is also in you already. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so and so this is this is again is another epiphanic moment i would say for the way i play music for the way i see music and
0: i'm interested in that so it sounds like maybe the epiphany in this case was more an affirmation of perhaps what you were already doing right if someone if people were coming up to you and saying i can hear lauren corners in what you were doing what was it that was what was it that was an epiphany about discovering lauren connor's if if you were already on that path to an extent, and people could hear that
1: um the idea that uh, somehow the some sensibilities, some idea about hearts, about music, the way you played there is something about these things that are not just something that belongs to just one person you know Uh but are somehow like elements and um, uh, how do how can i say like tendencies that are in a sort of collective psyche yes and you are you participate to this you know and yeah so i was thinking that um, what the epiphanic thinks was like um, the idea you have or what you are interested in is like not your property somehow it's not something that uh, is just your creation it's something that you find out and is already there somehow and it belongs to Uh, attendance of the spirit uh, rather than the person I
0: love that so this is my first acquaintance with Lauren Connors but (laughs) hearing you talk about it like that and basing it on my own experiences with this record there's something very lovely about the idea that he's tapping into something that's communally owned when his execution is so gentle because yeah it feels like his sense of selfhood or ego is very throttled back and is kind of just allowing this communally extracted thing just to spill out right just kind of like dribble out with without too much kind of personal intervention involved oh yeah it's really lovely
1: yeah i totally agree with with what you said it's like it becomes more like a channel of transmission Mm between you know like a word of the uh, of the spheres right <laughs> somehow right uh, like a spiritual word, and it's like a channel to bring how this information and make this information like giving shape to his music
0: and you mentioned that these records continue to be a reference to you I guess with uh, I guess with this one, it's less the record and maybe just Lauren Connors generally. But how does it remain a pertinent reference to you, the work of Lauren Conners?
1: Um, you mean generally or specifically to to this record?
0: Either one, I guess. Whichever feels like it connects with you best.
1: Um well what I like about this one is like um, I I think is really is really complete about the palette mm. uh, of his sounds and the way he plays there is also on on the on the second album there is also uh, a duet with John Fay yeah. also dark is the night Cold is the ground which is uh, like an incredible incredible piece uh, from Brian, Blind Willie Johnson, and um, John Fay is another one, another one of my favorite guitar player. and um, also myself, I did a version of this piece, um, like, uh, more literal than what they are doing here. Oh, cool. Um, and also this, in this, I really like, I like all John Faye, but I'm, also, a huge fan of his last production. Not many people, <laughs> they, they <laughs> you know. They are more connected to his finger-picking style, which is absolutely great and fantastic. Mm. But I really like the way this man was, like surfing uh, into, trying to surf in more abstract realms, <laughs> like ex- like if you take his last record, Red Cross you can also um, It it takes out a lot of you know humanity comes out a lot of humanity from that record. I think from So I think also one of the reason I choose this one is because there is John Fay, you know, right? Yeah, what I think is also beautiful is like you have like little very little short pieces uh like little images all connected in like chapter of uh, uh, one image, but divided into some sort of small haiku almost. And But you also have very, very long and extended tracks where it's just waving and sailing through sounds, through the sounds of his guitar.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I really like the way um in a lot of this well the re- this aspect is in a lot of um Lauren Connor's records that the hiss of the tape the the dust of the recording is important as is, is so much in, important as his notes are yeah there are other records that he recorded Better than this uh, stuff, I think, was mid '90s, and uh, I- you, if you take out that that peculiarity of the recordings, you take out a lot of Lauren Connors' music, I think, especially. <laughs> yeah. Especially to be listened on on a record. I mean, yeah. If you listen to live, it's different, of course, but also this uh, something very. Uh, very important about his record i think that uh when he when he when he's playing music is not just what he's playing his ability of um comprise all the sound experience all the sound characteristic in 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 the experience of his music
0: i was gonna say it's great that you mentioned the fidelity or the interference the hiss cuz i wasn't sure whether that was like a a defect within the rip of the audio or whether that was kind of a legitimate part of the original artifact cuz it does sound like that yeah. he's interacting with this almost like a you know a whale cresting out of the water and forming a very specific shape as it does like it's very uh, Aware of how it's protruding from this sound this this big hiss that's dominating a lot of these tracks,
1: and I think, as you said, I mean it's like this almost absence of ego in his ways mm. in his way of playing that is like he, he is capable of adapting because it's like water, you know it's like a fluid um a fluid volunteer that adapt his action according to the Listening experience hmm. And the sound experience so he is capable of encapsulating The the he's of his tape and what he's playing like the first track of the CD like is a collection is called pretty as ever go from track 1 to track 8 and the first one has this like That's you you don't. I, I can't understand if it's like a um, sort of tape echo uh, things, or if uh, or is uh, something in the in the tape cassette recorder, you know, that is creating this noise. But it's like pretty magical, <laughs> it's just, and it's totally part of what is playing.
0: Let's go to your 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 final important record now uh so yeah what have we got as the final pick
1: as De natura sonorum from bernard parmigiani
0: awesome so yes maybe start by giving me a little introduction as to why this one's important to you
1: i've been um like around my teenage i remember i was really into rock and punk rock you know and that's was the reason i felt into music as soon as i heard you know distorted guitars and this sense this attitude of rebellion <laughs> <laughs> i decided i want to be a musician you know and um, but of course after a few years it was just you know playing again and again the old the same whole records, you know, Led like Zeppelin and Nirvana and you know the Primus and <laughs> you know Black Sabbath, all this kind of band. But growing up I really had the desire to uh, to explore new way of doing music and and I remember I went to a class at DAMS, which is the department of fine arts here in bologna the university for fine arts in bologna and uh, there was this meeting where they listening to doing listening session you know and i went inside there and i heard for the first time this electronic electroacoustic music which i was didn't know what was at all there were other electronic music I was listening, like the um, Affix Twin, Autacre, you know. Mm-hmm. It's dif- totally different. This, when I heard Parmigiani for the first time, it's like going beyond the language. I mean, it, it was an experience of sound before music. Right?
0: right, right.
1: And that, I thought, was an incredible revelation. Totally changed my. Uh, sense of. Uh, an understanding of what means. Uh, the experience of music. Mm. Uh, that I understood that before the experience of music. There was an experience with sound. So and also possibility to make music or compose music. That was. Out of a. The normal regular language I already knew, and then later on, in my I went, I I attend to electroacoustic music university here in Bologna. I I did double bass and and electroacoustic music, and uh, I found out. Uh, oh no! What what I didn't tell you that? Um, of course, I took notice of the record. I. We were listening the the natural sonorum from bernard parmigiani but uh, i couldn't find them i couldn't find it in record shop you know and a few years later when i went to to the to the school i i finally found this record and i had the chance to go deeper in uh, the understanding of electroacoustic music and what bernard parmigiani he's and uh, where he belongs from and uh, yeah yeah huh wow pr- again that's this was another stuff like the question why why an experience why a sound experience why a music experience why a records hit you so much i always think there's something already there in you that's the, those experience illuminates something in you that is is part of you. Absolutely. And uh, and then you move. You take you take conscious of that. You take knowledge of that, and and it starts um, the capability of have a better understanding and knowledge about what are you.
0: You mentioned you then subsequently went on to do electroacoustics at university you say?
1: Yeah, like conservatory of music. Um I started with a double bass um after the university and but I was really for what I was doing with the guitar and my instrument I was very much into electroacoustic and acousmatic music and uh, what I found um, and then I wanted to attend this this class but at the beginning I couldn't because for the way the the school was here in uh, in Italy you really had to uh, have a diploma in your instrument uh, so I, w- I was just going there I asked to be the possibility to go there just for listen to the lesson and they allowed me and and some years later when they they it was possible for me I I really did the school, you know, I could I could be an official student <laughs> of electroacoustic <laughs> music. <laughs> but uh, I already knew all the professors and they were very kind. <laughs> I, I'm really grateful to them because they really allowed me to, to just go to the classes and, and listen to, to music that was... I, I didn't know how to find it, you know.
0: Yeah, um, I think it's interesting that you needed a diploma in an instrument for... Electroacoustics, because it always seems like, uh, uh, yeah, <laughs> you know, the the, the, yeah. the actual playing is not the the point, right? Yeah, this draw. is to
1: <laughs> this is to tell you how how much uh Italian university where like you know hold <laughs> yeah and not not you know not on on the edge of cont- contemporaneity but it's it's changed now it's ch- likely it's changed now now you can go to electroacoustic music school without you know having a diploma in a classical that's instrument that's good <laughs> that is good it's a good yeah a great point of evolution for uh, Italian accade- academia <laughs> Uh,
0: It's interesting you say that you had that initial experience at the university and then a few years gap and then finally reconnected with this record by buying it. So I guess there's a couple of different things happening there. You've got the distance of time and then reconfronting that experience after some time away, but also having a different format. So having a personal listening format rather than hearing it in a shared space. So how did that affect your relationship with Natura Sonorum?
1: Well, that's also um the gap, no, in between this the first meeting, the first experience I had with this record and later on is the the first impression again it was something that a new world to discover. And when I got the record back, um years later i found out and i so in that gap i had the chance to listen to other music to other electroacoustic music i was doing my own experiment with with sounds and and guitar so what was incredible listening back is um i had a different and more developed knowledge about what the acousmatic experience was and I really appreciated the way Parmigiani, um has been capable of, uh, you know, building a literature, be, building almost a composition that is also uh, an essay on sounds, mm. you know, uh, like being capable of following a sense of composition with the characteristic of the sound. Um Yeah expect that are more connected to the timber, other variables and way of describing the sound that are not in the traditional or classical notation that we, you know, are somehow hidden between, in, in the word timber, but it's a word that can, you know, Uh, represent many many aspects you know there are sense about the space there are sense about the resonance there are sense about you know like it was like is a a deep compositional discovery about the characteristic of sounds Uh, and what is uh, I found really interesting about this work is uh, a our incredible beautiful composition but at the same time, uh, this, um, the attitude and uh, um, way of manipulating and giving shape to sound is, uh, uh, is astonishing. Mm. Is uh, Again, I think it's a, a language that arrived before the musical language itself. Mm-hmm. So it's like to make a comparison it's like if you describe a falling of an object using the classic mechanics Newtonian mechanics or you use quantum mechanics right. yeah you know yeah. you are you are level you are going into uh, another um, frame another window through which you are watching to a phenomena
0: question i've got for you here stefano is what are the ways that you buy music and bring it into your life how do you mostly listen to music as well like what does your relationship to music look like as someone who purchases it and listens to it as well on a day-to-day basis
1: i i really i'm still buying a lot of music like vinyl cds I re- it's not like um, it's not because of the object, I think. But uh, well, first, I think is important to support. So, and I prefer, of course, I privilege to privilege to to buy records from also small labels and on less well-known musician. But also there is uh, a, uh puts me in a different state when I put on the records, you know, mm. uh, if I take out a vinyl and put it on, or a CD, I stay there and I listen to, and I listen to the, I just don't listen to a track, you know, you have the possibility to go through all the work, mm. and that creates um, a different perception, Of the entire work and what you are listening to. Mm -hmm. Of course, as everyone today, I (laughs) uh, I listen a lot to. I found I look for music also on on other channel like on on the web, like YouTube or Bandcamp or you know all of this stuff because it's it's very convenient and it's great that you can access to music so easily and so quick and so fast totally Uh, something that was totally impossible when we were younger you know yeah
0: absolutely.
1: 20 years ago so this is a great treasure but i think also that it's not the quantity of information that you can get or have access through that make the difference is also there is a a quality aspect that uh, arise when first of all with how much attention with an active listening as well mm. uh, a, a record can and the music can be much more significant if you listen in, in in that way and become much more relevant for you and and this is a point and also about um, you know when we were buying records 20 years ago you were buying that record and even if you didn't like it at, f- at first you you know you went through hits several times
0: yeah uh, and that was
1: <laughs> was w- w- that was making a difference because you had you were not stopping yourself to just the first impression that you have from music yeah from what you were listening to um so there are good and bad things about everything you know about it's just we have technology and development in technology is not is not evil for itself it it really as everything else it depends on the way we use it Of or if we laugh that technology use us that's (laughs) yes (laughs) that's a, a, a you know a big problem um yeah yeah and it's something that we should always think about
0: 100 percent. that's a great place to wrap up i think stefano thank you so much for talking through both your record and these three records it's been really awesome to to talk to you
1: thank you jack
0: and to everyone listening see you next time goodbye
1: bye bye